Welcome to the Mar Experience. My name is Matt Shedd. When Jake was in a detox facility in 2011, he wasn't thinking about long-term treatment. But while detoxing, he heard the stories of Mar clients who visited the facility to volunteer, and he decided to give long-term treatment a shot. Initially, his goal was to finish Mar's 90-day program as quickly as possible and return to his life. But eventually, he decided to stay for the aftercare program. A year after checking into Mar, he left with a completely different set of values than what he came in with. In this episode, he talks with me about that transformation and how he continues to practice what he learned as a Mar client in all the areas of his life. I came from uh, Massachusetts and moved down here uh, in my early 20s. And okay. uh, after about three years of, of kind of running and gunning in Atlanta, finally kind of hit bottom and um, uh, went to Peachford at the recommendation of, of my uh, primary care doctor, uh, thinking that I was going to, you know, three or four days, get some detox drugs to kind of make the hands not shake and, and kind of do it that way. And uh, from there, there was MAR volunteers, actually, uh, you know, guys that were 30, 60 days sober in the halfway program that were coming in to volunteer in the professional program um, at Peachford and okay. heard some of their stories, kind of listened to what they were doing as a next step after you know, having gone to detox just a few months earlier. And, um, you know, I kind of realized at Petra that I needed some help and, and, and actually wanted to you know, really get, you know, I guess, a I didn't really know what to call it then, but I was willing to like do take more action to, yeah. to, you know, try to work on maybe not, you know, drinking and doing drugs every day. So, right. um, uh, with the help of, your family and got in touch with Mar admissions. Uh, you know, was able to go to Mar uh, from Peachford. What were you kind of doing at that point? I failed out of college or dropped out of college on a medical leave and um, kind of floated around and and gotten into the restaurant business. And um, down here in Atlanta, was doing the same thing. Was working at a bar, you know, five nights a week, um, partying every night and. Um, you know, sleeping through most of the morning into the early afternoon and then just on this kind of broken groundhog day, same day, every day, um, you know, kind of, you know, self-induced, you know, torture. I, I just, you know, I didn't do anything other than work and basically drink and, mm-hmm. and do drugs. And, and um, you know, I kind of started to really feel uh, a bunch of the – you know, a bunch of the side effects of, of, you know, the better part of an eight year run had thrown some relationships away and, um, you know, had some health issues. I was, uh, my digestive system was shutting down, uh, uh-huh. at 23, 24 years old. Wow. Uh, start that started and, you know, was in full effect by the time I got to Mark 26. So, so had you been to treatment before? Um, yeah, I called it like a adult timeout. My parents, when I failed out of college, okay. uh, said, you're going, you're going somewhere for two or three weeks. And, um, I definitely wasn't ready to hear anything, mm-hmm. um, at that program up in new England. Um, I was there just to kind of get family off the back and, and kind of take a, take a step back and, and whatever I needed to do to kind of get back into, you know, having family support financially and, right. and whatever. <laughs> So it was more of a manipulation routine at that point. So Mar was my first real experience of of going somewhere that had, you know, a structured environment, both on the therapeutic side and then also re- reinforcing, you know, a 12-step program. 
you know, being essential to to long term recovery. So some of the guys from Mar, when they told their story for the first time, I when I'm in Peachford, I could really identify with them and actually hear myself and them. And the scary part, they were a little bit older than I was. Um, when they continued to talk about how much worse it got, I actually believed that that was probably where I was going to be heading. Um, and that was the first time ever that, you know, I willingly, you know, kind of raised my hand and said, I think I got what you guys got and I don't know what to do, but I need help. And yeah, so Mar was, you know, kind of took it from there. Just kind of pretty beaten down emotionally when you got here. Yeah, for me, it wasn't like, I mean, I had had a couple of the, you know, the classic, um, you know, addict alcoholic stories of, you know, horrible car accidents and stuff like that. And none of that ever, you know, none of that ever impacted me enough to change. It was kind of like a million little beast things got me in here and mostly the emotional piece of it. Just feeling like I didn't really have anything left uh, as far as, you know, to to kind of like draw out my whatever willpower I thought I had. For me, it was, um, you know, not to be too graphic, but a combination of, uh, you know, dealing with bleeding in my digestive system mm. um, you know, every day. And um, a girl that I was very much in love with at the time, uh, or thought I was as much as you can be mm-hmm. when you're completely delusional and alcoholic. Uh, you know, she finally said, I've had enough. Um, family uh, had some weddings that I was uh, not invited to or specifically told, you know, you're not welcome here. Um, not being welcome in my, my family's home back up in Massachusetts during holidays. Um, if I wanted to come home for holidays, I had to you know, stay in a hotel or a little motel around the corner because mm-hmm. um, they knew I wasn't going to not drink. And, um, you know, all of that just started to wear on me um, to the point where I I kind of looked at, you know, in looking at the future, there definitely wasn't any hope and I couldn't imagine continuing on the way I was, but I also couldn't imagine doing it any other way. And, I kind of showed up thinking that you go to treatment and they wave a magic wand and you guys are going to fix me. Um, And uh, that wasn't the case. So then what was your experience like that first day when you got here? I guess because I like to think I'm special that uh, maybe my my first day Mars story may be a little more eventful than most. Uh, I came in on a Tuesday to Mar and I actually came in the guy that I had been roommates with in Peachford. We had kind of like gotten comfortable together um and he came to mar as well so when we first showed up that you know they kind of are doing the intake and you know you know kind of whatever paperwork and they they stick us back back in matt Irwin's office and we're sitting there for what seems like forever probably it was only 15 minutes but um at some point just being overly comfortable i put my feet up on matt Irwin's coffee table and not two minutes later matt walks in and i was like what are you doing like who do you think you are, man? And, you know, uh, it, you know, I ended up, Matt ended up being, you know, one of my absolute favorite people of all time. I still stay in touch with him. He let me have it. My introduction to Mar was, you're probably not going to stay sober with this kind of attitude and behavior on a, you know, you just, you've been here for 15 minutes and, and you got your feet up with your shoes off in my office. Um, but it was interesting. We, uh, you know, that, that little bit of a, a clash right off the bat kind of woke me up to that, you know, these guys weren't going to just, you know, that people were willing to like kind of call me on my stuff. 
and uh, and then they informed me that we're going to a Braves game. Mm-hmm. And I threw like a little tantrum. I was like, I'm going to drink again. This is a setup. You know, I'm going to lose all my dad's money. You're trying to create problems for my family. I mean, that was crazy, right? And uh, it, it was a really cool experience, actually. So we went with about 150, you know, people that are affiliated with Mar, the patients and and you know, myself included in halfway and three quarters. And uh, we're sitting there. And of course, the, the ticket I happened to get was right on the edge of our group of like 150 or so. So, you know, six women sat down right next to me, double fisting talks. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of, and, and uh, you know, one of them started talking to me a little bit and I could just feel this, like these eyes on me. And from like 15, 20 rows back, I, I finally like kind of cocked my head and, and Doug Brush is watching me nonstop, like eyes glued, no longer enjoying the game, is just watching this guy that's less than 24 hours, you know, enrolled at Mar. And he had my back, you know, he wasn't going to let me, you know, relapse there. I'm sure he would have run down if, if I had started to reach for one, but um, it ended up being a great experience. It was one of my first experiences where I did something where normally I would have to drink and I didn't. And it kind of opened my eyes that. Like maybe there's opportunities, maybe there's ways to go enjoy something. Uh, I kind of came into Mar with like this crash, bang, boom, like, you know, kind of you know, add ends with Matt Irwin and then also very, you know, felt cared for in a, uh, you know, what's normally for me a drinking setting, um, knowing that the, like, you know, this director of Mar, all the 150 people that he's kind of chit-chatting with and everything has his eye on me the whole time. You know? I was almost impressed that like, he kind of, you know, could see the full the full field. Like, I mean, I don't really know what the reality. Of, I'm sure there was 15 other counselors, and they probably had some sort of meeting ahead of time. Yeah. Hey, these guys are new. Keep an extra eye. Right. But I remember feeling like I remember being impressed that with all this stuff going on, that he actually like had dialed in that like I was in a place where I was you know right literally right on the edge of kind of like that world of not drinking versus drinking. That's a pretty cool story, so, man. I don't know. It's, you know, it, I remember getting home that night and telling, I don't know how he did it, but he saw right away and like he had his eyes on me. And like every time where like those girls would talk, it was like his head changed and I don't know. Yeah. That's cool. So day one. Yeah. Definitely eventful. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, what what were like the next weeks like after that? The first kind of week or so, you know, was getting to learn the ropes and you know having my community kind of introduce me to, you know, this is how we get around. Um, we had uh, when I came in, there was eight of us in our in our community. I was in the fives at the time, and uh, one of the guys did his goodbyes and left like the Friday, like three or four days after I got there. So we were down to one car. We had a, it was a like old 19, early nineties minivan and, uh, me being the new guy, you know, it was all dusty and, uh, I licked my finger and, and wrote the man van on the back of it. So we were driving around in this dusty minivan that was called the man van for about the first couple of weeks nice. cramming in, you know, all, as many seats as would have us. So, um, the first kind of week or two was, was people, showing me how to be part of a community and what that meant. And, um, you know, people caring for me enough to say, Hey man, you got to get out of bed. You actually got to make your bed. Mm-hmm. You got to do this stuff. Cause we're together on this. And, 
you know, get me over to, you know, you know, for spiritual in the morning and, you know, following groups and stuff like that. Um, and then pretty quickly, I, I kind of got into a good rhythm of, of actually feeling like part of something. Um, you know, probably the first week I felt a little bit lonely, you know, definitely some fear, stuff like that. But I had been so starved for some like real connections with people. Um, you know, growing up, I had that, you know, my, I was fortunate. My family had, you know, sent me to some private schools, uh, for like middle and high school because I had some learning disabilities and that smaller classroom environment of where you, you know, really got to know folks and, and had some good relationships that had some depth to them, mm-hmm. um, was something I had been missing for a long time, you know? Uh, so actually being forced or encouraged to, you know, when somebody asks how you're doing, not just say good and move on to the next, but kind of talk about what your struggles were or stuff like that was, mm-hmm. it's actually great. It, it felt after a little bit of adjustment, it, it felt awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of went feet first into, you know, saying I can, I could feel a positive impact, um, pretty quickly. You know, the, the community did a good job of introducing me to a, a bunch of different meetings outside of Mar as well. And I don't know, it was probably about two or three weeks in, you know, I'd started working with a sponsor. I'd gotten a little bit of time under my belt there and, and feeling like I was now on the, more on the veteran side of, of my halfway community that I kind of felt like Mar was, was awesome. And I was in the right place. Um, it was actually interesting. So the first night I sat down to do book work or meet my sponsor, um, I show up five minutes early, which anybody that knows me today, I don't do early, like perpetually running behind like today. Yeah. Um, my sponsor's there. He goes, look, man, I'm not sure what's going on, but I can't really see out of my left eye. Like we need to do like, you know, we're going to go line by line through the book. Like we talked about and, uh, I need you to read to me. Um, I'm like, so what's, you know, so we kind of read a couple pages and start talking and he's like, I need to take this phone call. And his, his wife gets on the phone and their friend that's a nurse gets on the phone and he describes the symptoms and they're on speaker and I can hear her go, there's a good chance you're having a stroke right now. Like, and so he hangs up the phone and I'm like, man, you need to go to the hospital. Like, he's like, nah, man, we got to finish like the doctor's opinion real quick. Like this, you know. I'll deal with the stroke later. And it was this old, like gung ho Marine ex Marine guy. And I was like, man, like this guy's having a stroke and he's saying that this book work with me is more important to his and my recovery than like going to the hospital. And that combined with kind of like having already had a big kind of connection to like the level of care that people were showing me at Mar at that point. I knew I was like, I was like, this is the starting starting to feel right. Things that I didn't know I was missing, I could all of a sudden say I needed this for a long time. It's really interesting. A lot happened like like four or five weeks into Mar, having just had that experience with like, you know, this crazy new sponsor guy that's kind of opening my eyes up. Um, they opened up a, a third community and they took um, three of us out of the fives to start a new community. Um, you know, one guy had been here for, I don't know, uh, seven, eight, nine weeks, something like that. I was here for about five weeks at that point, And another guy was here, um, I think about the same time that I was. And, um, they gave us like six new guys in the course of like three days. And so all of a sudden I went from being cared for and being shown how to 
you know, kind of be part of a community in Mar to very much like, hey, you three, you're going to do that same thing for a whole new group of guys. And it was, it was really, it was actually, it was awesome. It uh-huh. made me feel like I was asked to be, you know, or being given a little bit of privilege and that they thought I was maybe responsible enough. I mean, in some regards to be one of the guys that went and helped open up a new community of 10 guys. Um, and, you know, kind of just having six or literally it was six new guys in one day it was like, these guys have no idea like any of the ropes we're having to tell them all the rules and, and kind of how the community is supposed to work and helping them to grocery shop and stuff like that. And it was, um, that was definitely a cool experience to with as little sobriety as I had to start you being able to help others, um, which has been a constant now for mm-hmm. you know six and a half years has been at, at the core is like, how am I able to be of service to others? And, you know, Mar gave me, you know, uh, plenty uh, for me and me and a couple other guys to chew our teeth on or grind our teeth for the first time on, on true service work because these guys had no idea what was going on. So I think that's a great example of like what community can do because when you're you're giving and you're helping somebody else out, you that shows you that you must be okay. Like if I'm if I'm here and I can be be here for this guy then I don't have to worry about me as much, right? Like it kind of takes your mind off of yourself. Yeah, I mean, at the time, right, I probably didn't have the language right. to describe it that Yeah, now, yeah, right? yeah. Right, understanding, like, right. you know, having looked in the big book and, and knowing now that, like, right, step 12 about, you yeah. know, you know in, in service is you know, nothing, you know, is going to keep me sober more than working with another alcoholic. Right. Like, you know, when everything else kind of goes sideways. Um but at the time, it, you know, one of the experiences that I was very much aware of that, you know, my sponsor and other people pointed out to me is like, look, you're, you know, you got alcoholics to help 24 seven being at Mar and in a community, you know, the guys that are trying to get sober off of maybe a meeting a day that have a wife and three kids at home, you know, it's, it's a lot harder for them to, when they're you know, going, going sideways or feeling frisky or, or dealing with that, you know, the different pieces of early recovery. Um, I always had four or five guys that I could just immediately go talk to in the community, even if it was 11 o'clock at night. Um, if it was during the day, I had, you know, the MAR counselors and, and, and again, you know, other guys in my community or other patients and halfway with me that I could go lean on and talk to them about, you know, what I was thinking or feeling or struggling with. And, um, you know, it was like getting, you know, just getting a huge dose of the service and, and the fellowship early on, like set a better foundation for me than, um, uh, allowed me to start you know, looking at different pieces of recovery. I think a lot faster than I would have had I just been, you know, living by myself, you know, alone in an apartment or maybe working a little bit and then, you know, going to the occasional meeting. It was kind of like, um, you know, you had a uh, service work on tap. So yeah. Speak, right, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah, I was, I was just thinking about when I, I interviewed Doug and some, and Rick and Will, um, and they were just talking about, um, kind of their years at the men's center. Um, Doug said, uh, he tells the guys if they're lucky, there's, they'll have one or two surrender moments when they're here. 
and he said surrender is different than compliance. Surrender is when you do it even though you think it's not going to work or you're not sure if it's going to work, but you decided, you decided I'm going to do it anyways. Rather than just compliance, it's like, well, I'm following the rules, but surrender. And then he says, if you learn that here, then you can hopefully take that with you for the rest of your life and, and use it. Um, do, you, do you remember moments like that when you were here where you had to kind of really surrender and give in to the process of being in recovery? Yeah, I definitely have. A, so I my experience was that after halfway, I ended up um, – and it's so funny that now this is you know, something I'm willing to say on you know on record, so to speak, right? <laughs> um, knowingly being recorded right. while, while I'm admitting to this. But you know, I told Matt Irwin as part of that exchange on my first day or two where he and I kind of butt heads that I was going to um, not only uh, not only do this, you know, do the halfway program better than anybody else, but I was going to do it in 60 days when it was 90 day program. Yeah, and he gently informed me that's not quite how it works but uh <laughs> you know i still he didn't say no that's not how it works he just said i don't think that's how it works and that was the end of it i remember probably about two months into halfway as you have you know you're starting to look toward like hey i got 30 days here and they start bringing up you know a few of the different like exit conversations or whatever and i immediately was like I'm out of here. I'm going to go get an apartment. I'm going to get two jobs. I'm going to go enroll back in at school. Like I got stuff to do. Like that was my initial response to what do you think we're going to be doing after 90 days here? Um, and very quickly, you know, it was, well, all that stuff sounds like it would be good, but like, let's look at that a little bit closer. And what do you think about, you know, potentially looking at three quarters and, and that type of stuff. And um, I was like, nope, I'm getting my own apartment. I'm getting two jobs to support all of that. And then I'll go to school and I'm going to do this thing. And uh, it was either Matt or Doug. One of them stopped me and said, are you willing to entertain other ideas about how to maybe successfully transition? And I stopped and I was like, Yep, I really am. And it was almost like it wasn't me talking. Um, I, all of me wanted to say, no, I got this. Thanks. Don't want to hear it. Right. But yeah. when I went to speak, I said, yeah, I'd be willing to be willing to listen to what you guys think. Um, I ended up, you know, kind of fighting. And I, I kind of let go of the needing to get two jobs and go to school thing. I was like, maybe, you know, keep the job I have and, and look at taking some classes potentially. And, um, I still was fighting the wanting to go to three quarter, uh, you know, deal afterward. And, um, I called a couple guys that were Mar alumni. Uh, Ashley actually was one that I called and, uh, Ashley gave me this question and I still use it on guys today, you know, that I sponsor that are in treatment and making a decision about whether to stay or kind of move out. And, um, he said, wouldn't you rather look back and say that you stayed at Mar three months too long than left three months too early? when you put it like that, you can't, you can't not. So I went to three quarters. Uh, mm. I stayed, I stayed at Mar a year to the day. Uh, oh, wow. A year to the day. And, uh, you know, that was the first big surrender moment for me was, was that conversation really with kind of, you know, Doug and Matt. And then the second half of it was Ashley 
kind of you know being able to speak my language and and phrase phrase the you know the decision in such a way that you know the the new sober thinking was able to kind of win out um you know one of the other ones was when i was in three quarters for a while um started to get squirrely constantly seeing guys come out of halfway and after i'd been really in mar for about you know whatever seven eight months total um i was really working on getting a new job to be able to eventually you know go do that next phase um i was ready counselors were like you know you're you know, you've worked through the steps you're you know actually sponsoring a guy or two you're taking service commitments in your home group you kind of have the different things in play and um one of the things that i had made a promise to my sponsor for was that i wasn't going to move out of mar until i was financially capable of doing it on my own because i'd always relied on my parents to kind of bail me out or let what i thought or what i felt or wanted you know have their money make it happen for me and um so I started applying to all these jobs and got hired and then the company had a hiring freeze. Got hired at another job and then the manager that hired me and a group of other people got fired and they said they were redoing their employment offers. Um, so I'm, I'm basically trying to exert my own will on getting this job that's going to make me just enough money to be able to transition out of Mar and that was my whole focus was don't want to be constantly surrounded by guys that are three months sober when I'm seven or eight months sober and I'm through the steps and you just kind of throwing like a little, you know, still early sobriety tantrum mm -hmm. about needing to be on my own or whatever and feeling restless. And, um, at that point, you know, Doug was my one-on-one -on -one counselor and he just kept saying, look, man, just keep doing, keep doing the right thing here. Like, why don't you stop looking at what, you're getting out of Mar and that you've already gotten everything you need and see what you can start giving back to guys here. Um, and that conversation with Doug was amazing. It completely transformed my last three or four months at Mar. Um, I stopped focusing quite as much on the job and just sunk myself into doing more service work. Um, on Thursday nights here at Mar, um, I had already done anger management, already done men's intimacy for kind of some of the extra, you know, classes and, um, so they had the Thursday night, uh, group with Todd at the time. Is Todd still here? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we had that and I was like, this isn't productive. This is just a throwaway, you know, that I'm having to go to. I'm in three quarters and had that conversation with Doug and Doug challenged me. He said, why don't you go into the Thursday night meeting tonight and see if you can actually, rather than just sitting there pouting, see if you can be helpful to guys. And mm -hmm. I had hated that. Thursday night meeting for like, I don't know, probably a month. And Todd knows it. He knows the story. And mm -hmm. uh, I went in that night. Some guy brought something up. I shared on my experience and how I understood the principles to potentially apply to the issue he was having. And it felt so good. And, and that guy totally actually followed some of the things that I had suggested. And it worked out really well. And a couple other guys hit me up for advice on a similar topic after the meeting. And before I knew it, that Thursday night Todd group was like, it's like my favorite thing at Mar at that point. Like, cause it felt like it was just like this awesome platform to be able to help people every week in and out guaranteed. There's going to be something that I have immediate experience on typically cause I've been at Mar for a while. Um, and that surrendering moment with Doug in that one-on-one -on -one session about turning the corner from looking at what I was 
trying to get out of Mar still. I'm frustrated that I didn't feel like I was getting enough at whatever, seven, eight months after being here to then seeing what I could give back and then having ended up spending another four months here with that mentality of giving back was like, I mean, that's the stuff that made me, that I continue today that makes me like, you know, a guy that, you know, my friends want to be around and that allows me to look in the mirror without like, you know, guilt and shame and stuff like that. Cause I can honestly say I've kind of kept that attitude of looking for places to be helpful when I get frustrated rather than just kind of being selfish and running away. That's, so. that's kind of the secret to all of it, isn't it? What you just described that switch from thinking about what can I get from what can I give the St. Francis prayer, right? Yeah. The, I mean, that's, that's the magic of all of it, right? Yeah. You take a person that's you know, default mode is selfish and, in order for them to feel good, be happy, right, and and feel usefully whole, they have to be unselfish, right? Like that's the magic of it. So my motives in being selfless are actually selfish. But after a while, what, what happens is like that selfishness truly drops away, and it's it's like, look, this is this is what you're meant to be doing anyway. It's uh-huh. like, and you kind of the yeah, you know, I'm a busy guy. I yeah uh, you know, the job that has some good responsibility to it and um and when i'm talking to guys in the program i always talk about how the career right like the day job the one that pays the bills um that's what god gives me the you know to play around with essentially that allows me to do my real job which is helping other alcoholics Mm -hmm. um and i've been fortunate in the respect that um, and it didn't come overnight and I'm not some guru, but you know, I, I worked my way up through the company I'm, I'm with and, and, you know, financially have been able to like reduce some hours here and there. And typically, you know, when I'm in good spiritual condition, I, I, I credit God with kind of letting that stuff happen so that I can have more time to like go sponsor another guy or mm-hmm. take on a different service commitment that requires more effort and energy than the last year. Um, and it's kind of gone hand in hand is like, you know, good things happening in other areas of my life that open up more free time or redirect my, my calendar a little bit. And then without fail, it's like, and by the way, here's two new sponsees that hit you up. Right. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I thought I was going to have some extra time to like maybe relax or find a different balance. Um, as God just rearranging your schedule so you could be more of service to more guys. So what's it like having, have you watched guys go through that process of coming through the 90 days at Mar and maybe even staying for the aftercare since you've gone through it yourself? Yeah. So, um, I sponsored a lot of guys that have come through Mar, uh, still sponsor some guys that are also, uh, fellow alumni, uh, mm-hmm. of Mar. Um, and watching them kind of go through that, you know, that 90 day, you know, initial transformation, you know, with Mar has been, um, it's been cool because some of them had different issues than, than I did. And I was like, well, I don't really, I'm sure Mar's got it. I trust, I trust the people over there. Um, but I didn't know kind of how Mar would look at some of the different pieces of the puzzle, you know, some legal issues, how would they work with, some of my sponsees with their legal stuff. And, um, you know, my experience with that is like, you know, you end up having a counselor from our driving four hours to 
Greensboro, Georgia to go appear in court on their behalf to help them continue to be able to stay at Mar rather than go to prison. Yeah, I mean, I've had I've had some guys that, um, you know, in spite of themselves, uh, watch them go through Mar um, and and not come out like you know perfect on the other side, which is part of this disease. If you you know you kind of are relying on just the structure of treatment and knowing you're getting drug tested and you're not really taking taking responsibility or action in your recovery. Um, you know, watch them, you know, leave Mar and, and, and go back out because they didn't feel like they were done. And, um, and seen some of them even come back tomorrow a second time. Um, I actually got a guy that he went to Mar twice and he's sober today, but, uh, um, you know, he had a rough patch in there for a little bit. And, um, I've also watched some guys that have kind of come into Mar and, and actually one guy, I guess one of the good stories I got on, on sponsoring a guy that came to Mar was he had gone to like probably definitely double digit treatment centers, 90 day programs, you know, since he was in his middle teens, um, had done therapeutic lockdown facilities when he was a minor, had done, um, you know, jet skis and massage, you know, treatment. He kind of run the gamut. Mm -hmm. He had done like, you know, uh, Bible thumping and, and working on a farm. He did the whole like, circuit. I mean, huh? He's done the whole circuit. Yeah. Um, and you know, he, his experience at Mar, like finally willing to actually like <clears throat> take some direction. And, uh, you know, he's like, I wish I had, he one time said, I wish I had just cut through all the other stuff and just gone straight to Mar, uh, cause it would have saved me, my parents, a lot of money. And I wouldn't have had to put up with all the stuff that I've been through. Uh, and like, that was pretty awesome to watch him really take to, he, he was a huge proponent for some of the, the one-on-one -on -one and group therapy stuff that he got here said, he said it was different or it felt different or that the counselors that were, you know, kind of guiding some of those therapy groups were like, for the first time, like it was productive mm -hmm. for him, you know, he felt like he was getting something from it. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think that experience for him allowed him to also work with steps a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. He didn't fight it so much. He mm -hmm. kind of went hand in hand with his experience here. So. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And it's what I imagine when you, when you were here, did you have any like resistance to doing some of that stuff that they asked you to do, like the life story? I think I was the only thing I can remember having fear or resistance around was uh, Rick's men's intimacy class, and um, they do an exercise where you do a tra what's called a trauma egg. You kind of identify um, traumatic or eventful or, or, or things that have happened in your life that you feel shaped who you are today in some way. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not going to do it justice, but uh, I can remember doing the trauma egg. And the cool thing about it is you kind of like draw stick figures and do like a one or a two word, um, one or a two word kind of like trigger term, just so that when the idea is that you then share this, you know, with a, with a group of men, um, and I remembered being like really discreet with some of my stick figure drawings or some of the words so that if I decided at the last minute to bail out and not share the stuff with them, that it, no one's going to go, what's that one? You yeah. didn't talk about that one. Right. And um, 
my experience was I, I did the trauma egg and, and shared everything stuff that I'd never shared with other people before. Um, and it was just like a million pounds that gotten lifted off my shoulders. And I actually right in line with the, the steps, I did a fifth step about a week and a half later and it made the fifth step like just so much for me, it allowed me to look so much deeper into you know, that fourth and fifth step that I was doing with a sponsor in conjunction. Mm-hmm. So that was the one I was nervous about. I was like, I don't want to tell these guys, I don't want to tell anybody this, Never mm-hmm. mind a group of guys that I hardly know. And sure. Um, but doing that was just awesome. Yeah. Um, and you know, two or three guys from that class, we actually are like still buddies today. Wow. Like I think from having that closeness of just laying it all out there with some guys, um, kind of solidifies a, a layer of French, you know, a layer of depth to a friendship that you don't get many other places. So. Right. Right. And yeah, to your, to your earlier point too, about something, there's something special about the counselor, the relationships with the counselors here too. Um, what I seem to keep hearing from people that I'm talking to is that there's this element of, they show you what, and they practice what they're, what they're asking you to do. Ashley was, gave this example of Doug, after Ashley got kicked out of the program, Doug said, you know, we're not throwing you away. We want you to still be involved. And then he went and picked him up for a group to come back the yeah. next day, you know, uh, like I just, or, or the example you gave of like, uh, going, driving four hours to take someone to a court date in rural Georgia, or, uh, you know, it just seems like I keep hearing stories about that, of what the staff is willing to do and they're practicing the principles it's it that's what it seems like to me i've never been here as a, cl- a client but that's just kind of what i'm gathering from talking to people yeah i mean i've you know i've been really involved in um I, I take a lot of meetings into treatment centers like detox facilities and also work um with hand in hand with a, a couple different chaplain offices for some of the county jails around atlanta um Getting into uh, corrections um, has been kind of one of the big things for me. Mm-hmm. Um, just where you know, God's shown up in my life and said, you know, hey, you're going to be involved in this, even though you have no real experience with with that world. I mean, I spent you know whatever you know, grand total, uh, you know, basically a, a day in jail, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting involved in that stuff, uh, you know, I've had to had to familiarize myself with a lot of other treatment centers that are taking these guys, you know, from jails and, and putting them into a halfway house or just sponsoring other guys that are in a different halfway community. And, and, you know, when, whenever I have people call me asking for kind of recommendations on, you know, where, you know, where to send their kid or where to go or a wife calling me saying, my husband's out again, we got to do something different. Um, you know, Mars always kind of the first, first place because of those counselors, you know, not to be too sales pitchy on them, mm-hmm. but the reality is I haven't, I've met other individuals that have the character and the caliber of, of kind of counseling ability. I've, I've met other individuals, other treatment centers that remind me of people at Mar, but across the board, Mar kind of has like, you know the a team uh you know like they're <laughs> you're lucky if you get one mar like counselor at a whole nother treatment center has mm-hmm. been kind of the experience i've had with a lot of other places and um yeah that's why you know i feel very fortunate 
and blessed that I happened to, you know, kind of, you know, just at the time it seemed random, but, you know, the fact that Mar was my experience just lets me know that, like, I, I was really one of the lucky ones. Yeah. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the other big thing was, you know, um, Marta does a pretty good job with the family stuff too. Um, the family impact group, the communication. I got two really crazy parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, like to always have their hand, you know, hands in everything about all of their children. Um, and Marta did a really fantastic job with kind of setting a foundation where over the years I've been able to repair relationships with my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, um, and and even, you know, some aunts and uncles that had kind of written me off. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mar did that at least with the communication between mom and dad and saying, Hey, we're going to set some boundaries for you, the parents, so that your, your son has a chance to like, you know, rec- get into recovery and, and, and do it, you know, with the help of others, but with, through his own actions. And then at the other points they forced me to reach out to mom and dad and, um, start some of the, the healing process too. Um, and they didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to put up with how crazy my mom and dad can be, mm-hmm. uh, when worried about their child. And mm-hmm. that's what, you know, that's kind of where they were, uh, oh, the point and Mars family counselors, you know, um, while I was here as a patient, I didn't get a ton of feedback on it, but after I left years, you know, and, and over the last years, my parents talking about how the level of communication that they had with, you know, the family counselors at certain points about, you know, what they could be doing, mm-hmm. you know, for their own recovery side of stuff through mm-hmm. Al-Anon or whatever else. Um, you know, that was huge too. Like yeah. the, people took the time to, you know, give my mom and dad direction when I was the one, you know, I was the patient, but they, they kind of treated our whole family. Um, like they cared for all of us while I was here. What's one thing that you, if you could summarize, what's something that you would pass on to people that are listening that you've gained from your experience at Mar? I think it's the, uh, the sense of community, um, everywhere that I've moved on to, whether it be to recovery groups or to, uh, my company or to, um, my personal relationships, my friend group circles, uh, I always have to kind of keep a sense of community wherever I go. Um, it's important to me to have that feeling of accountability with a group of people in any setting that I'm in. And it kind of forces me to treat most people a little bit more like family. You know, even at work, people say like, you always care you care about those around you and, and, and kind of are, are looked at with some, you know, for leadership on, and guidance on how do you keep, how do you care for people in a, in a workplace? Um, you know, within my friend groups, um, you know, I try to actively pick up the phone to find out what they got going on, what they've just had going on, um, you know, what things they're struggling with the same way that we were taught to do in those community groups at Mar, And, um, you know, keeping a, a community around me and, and being active in a community around me wherever I go is 100% something that I took from Mar. Um, before 
coming to Mar, even though I, I was social and had friends and stuff like that, I, I didn't keep a community. Uh, I didn't care for people at the level that Mar taught me to in a community setting. And I'd say that's the biggest impact it's had on me is, is you know, making a me- making me a member of of a community uh, is is something that I got from Mar. Mm. Um, yeah, that's that's probably the biggest thing. Well, thanks, man. This has been awesome. Dude, this is great. Yeah, I appreciate really it. Cool. All right. So. Thanks for listening to the Mar Experience. If you want to stay in contact with us, you can look for us on Facebook and Twitter. We also have a lot of free resources, videos, and articles on our website about the disease of addiction, how it affects families, and other topics related to treatment. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.